Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by composer Andrew Benin for Chex Quest, a game that came out in boxes of Chex cereal from General Mills in 1996. Andrew at the time worked for a company here in Minneapolis called Digital Cafe, and General Mills is also located in Minneapolis, sort of. It's a suburb of Minneapolis called Golden Valley. But uh, in any event, Andrew is going to tell you the story of the CD-ROM serial game Chex Quest in just a moment here. Now, I spoke to Andrew at a conference here in Minneapolis called VGMCon. It just happened over the weekend of April 1st here in 2022, and it was amazing. I cannot recommend this con highly enough. I had so much fun. This was my favorite year so far. It just gets better and better and better. Uh, the musicians who performed were absolutely spectacular, just mind-boggling, like Don Palombi's Game Night, uh, Do a Barrel Roll was there, 88-Bit slash Rob Kovacs was there, the Super Mercado Brothers, Lacey Johnson, the list goes on and on, uh, Rosie Sampter from Videri String Quartet, she gave a viola recital. It was absolutely incredible, and if, you, uh, if I didn't get a chance to see you this past weekend, I very much hope to see you there next year, VGMCon 2023. So this conversation that you're about to hear is the panel that I did with Andrew Benin about ChexQuest. And here's Andrew. Today, I'm very lucky to speak with composer Andrew Benin, who is uh, uh, local, which is nice too. And Andrew is the composer of the cult classic Chex Quest. So, who has played Chex Quest? Good. Did you play the OG Chex Quest from '96? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is legit. That is very impressive. Right um, so, I, I mean, we're just going to talk, I guess, about uh, you know what it was like to write for Chex Quest. I also definitely think it's worth telling the story of why it even happened because. You know, this is just one of those marketing marvels that, that happened. So tell us the story about Chex's Quest, if yeah. you will. Um, well, uh, 1996, for those who haven't don't know the, the kind of general story, in 1996, um, at the time it was Ralston Purina, but now General Mills owns it. They had their Chex cereal brand. They were looking for ways to get kids... Uh, to buy Chex, which is not the most exciting um, cereal for kids. <laughs> and they started talking with a, a wide variety of different kind of marketing PR agencies to figure out what to do. I, at the time, it was my first job out of college. I was doing music and sound design for a company called uh, Digital Cafe. And we were brought on to help kind of brainstorm ideas for a game. Um, the the original idea that they had was this um, this kind of bizarre, frankly, sorry, General Mills, everybody. <laughs> it was a little weird. It was the idea they wanted to integrate corn fields, so it was kind of like walking through cornfields with a flashlight. And the team at Digital Cafe, mostly led by uh, Dean Hires, he was my boss at the time. He was the creative director there he started thinking about, well, what do kids really like to do? They like to play uh, games. What are the great games right now? Well, Doom, at the time, was one of the great uh, first-person shooter games, and it was kind of like, well, I wonder if we could make Doom, but for cereal. <laughs> 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 and, 
logic. Yeah, the, 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 the first and most obvious answer to that question is no, you really can't do that because it's violent and you know, there, there are problems. But they started thinking about um, how can we make this a non-violent game? And, and Dean, I think, kind of thought on it over a weekend and was like, well, how about if we make a game where the main character is this kind of Chex warrior who has this weapon called a Zorcher, but the Zorcher doesn't kill. It sends the bad creatures back to their own dimension. <laughs> you could kind of look at it like they're ki being killed, but they're not. They, they on the screen, when you, when you shoot the Flemoids, which are the bad guys, they disappear off the screen and you, know, you get your, your point. So anyway, we uh, created this kind of concept for the game, um, mostly again, Dean hires writing this. It got somehow approved and then uh, funded to license the Doom engine to actually build the game. The game went on uh, CD-ROM in cereal boxes. Uh, it was, I think, printed uh, six million copies in part thanks to the 50 free hours of America Online that you get <laughs> with, with the game. Uh, they helped to fund the the printing, and uh, it was it went out in cereal boxes, and it was a big success from a sales perspective. They sold a lot of cereal. Uh, kids really loved to, you know, play. Obviously, it's kind of like Doom, and it, and um, so my role in all of this was to write the music and do the sound design. So all the all the creature sounds and the zorching sounds. Uh, did, did that sound design, um, and then wrote the music as well. Had you done sound design before? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, okay. my, my, so I was a music major in college, and I was super interested in computer-based music. And the, my internship at Digital Cafe, when I first started, was the first thing I did was sound design. And, and oh, wow. um, not, not for ChexQuest, but for a couple of other products that they were working on. And there was definitely some learning by doing, but I had enough of an understanding to kind of be able to do something at least. I don't know how good it was at the time, but yeah. um, I was able to do it. Did you enjoy that aspect? I did. I, I found it was uh, doing sound design, when I think back to doing it like for this game, was a super organic, kind of natural process where I, you know, we had a little um, library of sound effects. We had access to some voice talent. And we, um, you know, we would talk about, okay, what's, what kind of sounds do we want the Flemoids to have, for example? <laughs> the Flemoids have this really crazy, I, I'm, I can't make the sound. I didn't make the original sounds. Uh, they have a really crazy sound when they get shot or zorched. Um, <laughs> they, they, they kind of make this weird uh, blobby sound. And that was the voice of Mike Koenigs, who was my other boss at Digital Cafe. He had this kind of capability to do funny cartoon voices. Okay. And so we had this wish list of all the different types of sounds we wanted. Um, and we had just a really funny recording session with Mike where we were like, okay, now you're a phlegmoid, but you're startled. What does that sound like? And you're wrong. <laughs> you know, you make this weird sound. Uh, and, and those became the sounds for the, the actual phlegmoids. Wow. Um, and, and then the, the rest of it was a lot of like taking, taking sound effects and manipulating them to be kind of more original. Not, not, um, we, we wanted it all to sound very, 
kind of distinct. Um, although there are certain sounds in there where it's like, oh, that's from Scooby-Doo. You know, that we, <laughs> we're, we're, we're definitely using, I, I think we use the Hanna-Barbera uh, library as the basis for some of the sounds. Hilarious. Yeah. Don't tell, right? Don't tell. Well, <laughs> we paid for it. Oh, well, there you go. All right, good. So what kind of, like, musical direction did you get? Yeah, I mean, honestly, very, very little. Okay. So I was, you know, in my early 20s or mid, or yeah, 24 or so, and I was super into the police <laughs> and, you know, it kind of a, a wide variety of, of music. When I listen to the soundtrack now, it's super kinetic. I hear, like, Stuart Copeland, the drummer of the police. I hear a bunch of things that I was influenced by by at the time. I don't hear any direction from any anyone who was in charge of of the game creatively. What I remember is Dean, the, the guy who kind of conceptualized the the basis for the game, he and I would sit together and it's like, okay, where are they? They're in a cavern. So let's write some caverns music. If we listen to the caverns music, it sounds nothing like a cavern. It's just all this really kind of wacky, excited uh, music that um, spans a wide variety of different genres. Um, yeah. and, and I also remember from that time, it was such a kind of a quick turnaround, the music was. Okay. I had very little time to do a lot of editing or mixing down. It was kind of like, I'm, I'm mostly concerned about trying to get the sounds to work on the lowest common denominator sound cards because this work had to work on you know, 486, like old, old Windows machines. It has to work on newer Windows machines, which at that time would have been like Windows 95, because <laughs> we're talking about 1996, yeah. right? So uh, I, I was noticing, I'd play these, all the, all the music is done with general MIDI, and I was noticing if I'd play the songs on, you know, kind of a newer computer at that time, it would sound a certain way, then I'd play it on an older computer, sound a totally different way. Mm -hmm. That completely stressed me out because I wanted it to sound good on every computer. So I basically wrote all the songs to work well on the, the worst sound card that I could find. So I, I literally took this, this, the oldest computer we had at the office, I plugged that in to be my sound source, and I, and I wrote the soundtrack through that sound card and then just kind of crossed my fingers that when it was on a better sound card, it would actually sound better. Wow. Well, you brought up Caverns, and that's one of my favorite tracks, so let's listen to a little. You guys want to hear some of it? Yeah. <laughs> Silly question. Yeah, all right. Listening to that, that's the Caverns track from, uh, yeah, that's still from uh, the Chex Quest 1. We did a, another Chex Quest, Chex Quest 2 later. But um, so the, the songs that we're listening to today are the ones that are on Spotify right now. There's a Chex Mix, Chex Quest, <laughs> yeah. Chex Quest uh, playlist on Spotify. And so these are from Chex Quest HD which okay. was the new, yeah. uh, you know, so the sounds are much better than the, the ones that I was 
referencing before, these were all, you know, I, w I had the opportunity to go back, kind of remix them all, yeah. eliminate a bunch of parts. <laughs> so, so if you listen to the original soundtrack for that versus this, there's actually a difference. I, I kind of made a rule for myself that I couldn't add anything new for HD, but I could take things away. Okay. So oh, I, had, wow. I had a chance to go through and, and uh, edit it down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the the you know the original Chuck's Chuck's Quest '96, and then when was the second one? The second one I think was in '98. And then there was a little bit of a. Then there was a pause. Then yeah. in 2005, there was sort of a uh, there was a Chuck's Quest three that was made um, that I was also involved with, but it was unofficial. So okay. Chuck Jacoby, the original game designer, had been working on it kind of on his own and asked if I wanted to contribute some music, but also got help from the fan community to, to contribute to the... Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, to the game. So it that was, I think, 2005. And then the HD version, which is on Steam for free, was released last year. Now, when I hear the music, the, the music kind of belies the naivete of the game in a lot of ways because because yes. you if you haven't ever played it or watched it you know you go to youtube watch a walkthrough and you're like wow this music is amazing compared to the game <laughs> you know i mean the music just sounds uh, i think more complex than than what you might expect from the game so talk to me a little I bit i appreciate about that. that i mean yeah. I, when i listen to it now i feel like it, it's kind of where I was at musically, which was I was into a lot of complexity and, and a lot of rhythm. I was a percussionist and, uh, and you know, I, I hear this kind of kinetic movement in these songs. Um, but again, it was, it was just me kind of doing whatever I wanted to do, which I, I don't think that this could happen now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that, you, you know, as a 24 year old, you could you know, walk into this sort of situation. It was just unique as it was like hadn't done, been done before, and I don't think that they had very high expectations for it, which mm -hmm. helped us because yeah. um, we could then just sort of work under the radar and and do what we just do our best. And, and it worked, yeah. though. Well, <laughs> thank you. We didn't we didn't know we didn't even know if it would work, like when you put it into the computer, if it would work, because there was no like beta testing. The beta the beta <laughs> testing was was the seven of us at Digital Cafe trying it on every computer we had in the office. We had like 20 computers. Yeah. And that was it. That was the beta <laughs> testing. Then we, then <laughs> I drove the gold master to the airport, to FedEx. Well, actually in six boxes to go to six different facilities to be replicated six million times. <laughs> and so it was, it, it, it felt, it, I mean, we were all sweating uh, bullets until it actually came out, and then we actually heard, oh, some people are playing it and they like it. That there was, you know, this was kind of pre-internet a little bit, so you didn't really hear yeah. that much about it until right. yeah, you know, many, many yeah. years later. Then, then people were like, oh, I totally remember that, you know, and had started to have nostalgia for it. Yeah. So, did you tr play it at all after it came out, or you're like, oh yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, we we, we 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 definitely did. We were all nervous, and we all kind of noticed little things here and there. But but we're we're glad that the the gameplay somehow works. Yeah. You know, it was it was like there are little hidden hidden rooms where you can go in, and you know, it's it's got yeah. a lot of the things that we liked from games that we were playing at the time. I just love that it's literally a Doom clone that's the absolute antithesis of Doom. <laughs> it's like you took Doom and made it not Doom even in the slightest, and musically too, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the original Doom soundtrack is very heavy, and this was <laughs> as about as light as you can get. Yeah, let's listen to some more. All right. This is storage. high sound you hear right here that that was one of the sounds that really vexed me on the sound it sounded different on different sound cards okay. I almost pulled it all together because it sounded really weird on some sound cards and then it <laughs> sounded really good on others and I, I finally kind of got it to a place where yeah. I thought it's working crazy so let's zoom out just a little for a minute and we can come back because there's plenty of Chex Quest to discuss. Um, but, but I do want to know a little bit more about your background and, and how you did end up, you know, you said you're a music major and you said you're a percussionist, so was, was that what you studied was percussion? I actually studied guitar. Um, I, w I, I started um, playing guitar when I was like 12 and that was, okay. that's kind of still what I consider to be my main instrument, electric Steel guitar. Steel Oh, electric, electric guitar. Okay. But I also was interested in making music on the computer kind of as early as I could. I had an Apple IIGS <laughs> that I got way into MIDI and, and making music. And when I went to school for music, I, I really had a goal to write for film and TV. That was kind of what I wanted. I, I don't know why I went to Gustavus in Minnesota to do that, <laughs> but uh, it, it actually was a, a great choice because the, it, it's what got me connected to Digital Cafe, where, which is where I was doing this, this work. So it was, it was good in that way. But I, you know, I was playing guitar in bands. I also, I was a percussionist in high school and I, I kind of always had the, um, a little bit of the drum bug. Um, yeah. my, my first instrument that I took lessons in was piano, actually. So I was kind of in a lot of different things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when you started working for a digital cafe, uh, what other kinds of projects were you doing at the time? Yeah, it was, uh, we, were, we were basically a digital promotions company. So we were doing things like screensavers for movies like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the original Jumanji, <laughs> Die Hard 3. We were, you know, so we were doing, we were doing um, sometimes CD-ROM based, sometimes like disc-based things that would go out in magazines or in, as mailers um, that were sometimes little games, sometimes just kind of interactive uh, experiences. Uh, we had a niche for a few years just doing that type of work for film studios and, and some record labels too. And that was really fun work. We were, you know, one of only a few shops doing that type of work in the country. So that's, oh, wow. that's why they found us is like we... I don't know why screensavers were such a big deal at this time, but if, <laughs> if for those who don't know what a screensaver is, <laughs> it's a it's, it, 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 you would get them on a on a disc. I don't know if you remember this, but you get them on a three and a half inch disc and load it into your computer, and then you could have like see like not even scenes from a movie like Die Hard, but it would be like a, a couple of lines from Die Hard with 
uh, McLean's face pop in and fade out really kind of cheesy. Now you would look at it and go, why would you ever want this? Uh, and maybe even at the time people were, were wondering why they had this. I think the most popular screensaver that I remember was uh, everybody had the fish bowl. Like there was like an aquarium yep. and you had these little fish oh, yeah. swimming around. Everyone had that one. Yeah. So we were competing against like that. Yeah. Uh, but but trying, you know, the movie studios especially were like, we need we need to own people's screens when they're just like sitting in their living room and their wow. computers off to the side, you know, doing something. Mm-hmm. A little John McClane. A little John McClane. Little yep. Yeah. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> so you kind of stepped away from music though at some point. So how yeah. did that happen? Um, so Digital Cafe was purchased by. Um, Campbell Methune, an ad agency here in Minneapolis. And I kind of had a choice at that point to continue doing music and potentially like doing music for commercials or uh, moving into a totally different direction, which is more software design. And I was at that time, I was kind of getting burned out on, on writing music for other people. I was starting to write more for myself and just kind of decided, you know what, I'm going to just set that part of my career aside, focus on software design. Which and what is, year is this? Part, part this was it? probably like 2000 or so. Okay. Yeah, 99, 2000, something like that. Okay. So I was about five years into my, my career as a mm-hmm. composer and sound designer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and and uh, they, I did I did continue to do some music um, on the side. Like I did, a, I scored a Discovery Channel show um, called Sasquatch Legend Meets Science. Okay. Which is the story of of Sasquatch, but they analyze all of the evidence uh, from a scientific perspective. Jane Goodall Excellent. is in it, talking about. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's talking about Bigfoot and whether or not Bigfoot is real. I won't give away. I won't spoil it, spoil it for you. <laughs> Um, so I, I was doing a little bit of that on the side, mm-hmm. but but I, you know, I really was started focusing on my family and my my whole other career, and mm-hmm. sort of stepped away from making music publicly at least. So what what brought you back? Because I know you're doing it again. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I I had I've been kind of working on music all along, but I I discovered this subgenre called synthwave which is kind of nostalgia-driven a little bit, synth-based music, um, that has a really great community, a worldwide community. It's not a big community, but there's some great music happening out there, and I got super inspired by some of that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is very much like the music I'm making right now. So um, I started to release music again, um, kind of at the beginning of the pandemic, um, in what what you would consider the the synthwave genre, I guess. Yeah, and I love it. I've been listening to it nonstop uh, since we had this set up, and um, you know, I was a bicentennial baby, so I was <laughs> 1976, so born, raised in the 80s. Synthwave yeah. is my thing, right? That's my jam. So. I'm always, I was just asking my friend Rosie, I'm like, so is this good or is this, do I like this because of my age? Like, (laughs) what does this sound like? But it's just, it's so good. And um, uh, one of the things that I love about synthwave is that like synthwave music now, I think 
sounds a thousand times better than what they were <laughs> writing in the yeah. 80s just because of the tech. So uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Totally. I, I, I agree. Although, you know, there's something great about just listening to 80s music. And, but, yes. But, like, having it all digital and the, the plugins and tools that we can use, you know, to, to uh, be like the synthesizers of that time have gotten so sophisticated and rich that um, that's that when I when I got back into it and I started loading up all the new plugins, I was completely blown away by how they sounded. Um, they kind of sounded how I always wanted this stuff to sound, yeah. and it was so much easier. I mean, I now I compose completely with a laptop. I don't even have keyboards anymore. I just oh, wow. I just sit on my couch with the laptop on my lap, and I literally draw the notes with wow. the mouse. <laughs> and then I play some guitar, which yeah. you know, which is a real guitar. But but I, I'm tr I'm purposefully trying to simplify my setup as much as possible. I had a whole bunch of outboard gear, synthesizers, all that, and now what's in the box is to me sounding really good. And mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of fun that you can just have this laptop and write the music from anywhere. Yeah, you know, I can sit at a coffee shop and write music, which. Yeah. I never would have been able to do when I did Check's Quest. Let's listen to some. takes me to this Pink Floyd album I used to love, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is not a, a normal one that people shout out if they like Pink Floyd, but it's an album called Division Bell. But it just reminds me of um, the, the sound that David Gilmore has on his Telecaster, is that, that like just totally sounds to me like that, and uh, I, I love that, yeah. Thank you. I love David <laughs> Gilmore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who, who doesn't? But. But yeah, uh, talk to me a little bit more about some of your influences, if you would. You mentioned the police. Um, mm -hmm. I went through that phase uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about who inspires you musically. Um, you know, I, I've gone through so many different phases of that. Um, when I was uh, when I was kind of pre-digital cafe, when I was growing up, I was in. Um, I was in like a kind of skate punk band. Okay. <laughs> so I was listening to like Minor Threat and The Descendants and that kind of music. Okay. Um, at the same time, I was listening. I loved uh, movie soundtrack music, so I was listening. My my hype up music was um, was like Steven Spielberg film score, you know, music yeah. from John Williams. Um, 
then I, uh, in college, I kind of moved on. I got a little bit into Radiohead and, and more of the sort of um, real emotional, um, you know, depth of that. Mm-hmm. I was super into Pink Floyd too, and um, and um, also on the synth side, groups like Tangerine Dream. Oh yeah, um, yeah. A big, a big. They were. They've always been a big influence, especially the stuff that they were doing in the '80s. Um, and then, uh, really since then, I've kind of, I've been all over the place. I mean, I listened to everyone from Bon Iver to Interpol. I was a huge Interpol fan. Um, I don't know if people know any of these <laughs> groups, but sort of, I, I, I tend to sort of laser focus on one group for a little while and get sure. way, way into them and, and try to dissect why I like them so much and yeah. listen to everything. And mm-hmm. So I, I do a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, first of all, this his st- stuff is on Spotify and all the places. Highly recommend. Um, so you, Space Station Sheila is the newest, mm-hmm. right? That yes. came out last year. And then there's an EP from 2020 as well. Uh, so what are you working on right now? I'm making more. One of the things I, I love about the synthwave community is that you can release music however you want so if you a lot of people will do an album of like 10 songs or whatever Mm -hmm. but what I've been doing is these two song EPs so I'll do one kind of a little more dream wavy song and then one like sort of slower even more dreamier (laughs) wavier song and and I think I'm going to keep doing that so so next would be then another two song EP and my thought is if I do like 10 of these or something like that, then I could release an album of the best of the ones that I've released already. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a good idea, but <laughs> that's that's kind of my plan, is just to try to release something, you know, each year for sure. Um, so that's, that is the main thing uh, that I've got on the docket. Yeah. And, you know, back to Chex Quest, the reason we're all here. Uh, you you still check quest from time to time too, right? You're, yes. You still make music and stuff. Totally. We we uh, so that the HD version, which uh, you know came out a, a year, I think it was a year and a half ago or so. They continue to do updates for it. So we we recently just did um, the co-op mode soundtrack, which I collaborated with another synthwave uh, musician called Street Cleaner. Okay. who is playing in town here uh, in a month or so. Really oh, nice. awesome musician. Uh, and and he, he was one of the people in the Synthwave community that kind of reached out to me first, I think because of ChexQuest. I'm not sure why, but um, <laughs> but he's he's awesome. And and, uh, and I asked if he wanted to collaborate on this. So we got to do a collaboration together to do the co-op mode. And I think there are some more things like that planned for ChexQuest. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I did want to ask you with regards to synthwave, kind of selfishly, I'm hoping that other people want to know this too, like who are some of your favorite synthwave artists or how do you, you know, what do you, where do you find your synthwave? Yeah, you know, the, 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 the artist that really pulled me in is called FM84. They have, they have an album called Atlas. It's kind of the gold standard of synthwave. Yeah. And, it's beautiful, it's meticulously done, great songwriting. That was, so FM84, they were the ones that kind of really pulled me in. Um, there are a couple of other bands sort of like that. One is called The Midnight. Um, they're also excellent. Um, there's a band called Duet with two Ts. 
that I love out of England, um, this guy Ben Macklin, who does this kind of like a little bit of Holland Oats ish. Uh, Interesting. <laughs> uh, it's it's all uh, mostly instrumental, um, but really cool uh, synth wave. I also love. There's an artist called Chad Valley, who is a little on the edge of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I don't think he makes music as Chad Valley anymore. But he, I love, I love his music too. Yeah. Uh, well, I would love to know if anybody has any questions. Any questions out there? Because I go ahead. Yeah. So one question I have is, how much has ChexQuest followed you throughout your life? Like, has this forever pigeonholed you as the ChexQuest guy, or <laughs> how has your relationship to that yeah. gone through the years? Well, that's a good question. Um, for the first 10 years after we did ChexQuest, didn't hear anything about it because, <laughs> you know, there wasn't a lot of internet. It was kind of like, it was one of many, many projects that we had done. Uh, and, uh, but at some point, I think because of the internet and people were talking about it, somebody, somebody launched a website called ChexQuest.org <laughs> and I, I discovered this. I don't know. I think somebody sent me the link to it. And there is a, there's a discussion board on the site that is, to this day, incredibly active. And, <laughs> and, I, and I was, you know, I, I was super impressed. People were doing uh, fan artwork. They were reimagining the soundtrack. And it was, it was like, whoa, this, people still play this game and talk about it. I couldn't believe that. So that, that was, uh, you know, but, but to your point, I kind of started to feel like, okay, this probably will be the biggest thing I ever do musically, you know? <laughs> what else am I gonna do that gets printed on six million copies of something and is played by uh, this many people? I think that may be the case. I'm fine with that, I'm at peace with that. But, but the truth is, it kind of has, it, it, it helps me a little bit when I wanted to get into synthwave just you know, have something that people might know me from. To it gives them a reason to listen to this other stuff that I have going on, which is totally different from the music that I wrote for ChexQuest. Um, so I I mostly just appreciate the people who play the game and um, and like the soundtrack. I think it's it's a it's fun to be a part of it and. If it's on my gravestone as like, the guy who did the music for the serial game, so be it. <laughs> I just can't get over that they they literally just gave it away. Yeah, I mean they just put it in a box of cereal. It's it it would have been at the time. It would have been like a thirty-five dollar game in yeah. ninety-seven, which is it would have been an expensive game. Um, and you know they invested. I think I think the budget, our budget for it, including licensing the ID uh, engine for yeah. Doom, was like five hundred thousand dollars. Which to make a game is not a lot. <laughs> uh, and yeah. and so it was. But they got it. They got it back. You know, yeah. tenfold. They yeah. sold a lot of of rice checks. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of rice checks. It's the best one in my opinion. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, other questions? Go ahead. Um, as you started to like move to doing sound stuff all in the box, yeah. like if you're looking for sound inspiration or whatever, do you find yourself 
just like loading up random plugins, or, or, or do you kind of have, already have an idea of stuff you want in your head, and you're like, I like that plugin, I'm going for that? I definitely did that at first, like when I was getting back into it and, and rediscovering the new plugins and VSTs that were out there. I then kind of found some of my favorite ones, which I, I, I do keep downloading new ones, but I keep gravitating back towards these few that I just end up using on everything. <laughs> um, I, I love the, how easy it is, though, to discover new ones. Like, everybody has the free trial period, and my, my whole thing is I want to be able to plug it in and feel inspired pretty quickly. If I'm not, I'm, if it's one of those plugins where it's in there somewhere, but it's gonna take a lot of time to get to. I just sort of set it aside because I tend to get really fixated on trying to figure those out and it burns a lot of time that I could be using to write a better melody or something, you know? So, um, yeah, so I, I definitely do audition new plugins a lot, but I, I have tended lately to keep on gravitating back towards a few that I love. What are they, the ones that you Well, if we want to get <laughs> technical. I think, I think we should. <laughs> um, I, I'm a huge fan of, the, of Yuhi, which is the, they make a couple plugins. One is called Diva, and one is called Repro5. I use those all the time for synth stuff. They make these kind of analog synth models. They are beautiful. <laughs> the one that is called Diva is called Diva because it's really processor intensive, and so... Uh, it it has different modes. You can put it on draft mode, and then you can put it on like the the highest mode. And when you do that, you can't have very many instances of it running because it just kills your your CPU. <laughs> um, but I love those two for synth sounds. I have a couple of others too. And then I also discovered the world of like beautiful reverb, and um, there are a couple of of reverbs that I use um, for the kind of shimmer, like shimmer reverb, which is, you know, it's sending your reverb out and, and it's doing some pitch shifting um, on it. And uh, there, are, there are several of these out there, but I, um, I, when I started getting into Synthwave, I was, I was really listening and kind of studying, I think it was an FM84 uh, song, and I was like, what is that? pad sound that they have in the background and I was listening and listening and trying to just figure it out and it was just reverb it wasn't a it wasn't like a pad it was just a beautiful reverb that sounded so vast that it was um, you know that it sounded like a, a, an instrument of its own and that's something I think that for, for synthwave for a lot of like the really dreamy stuff having a great reverb is important Talk to me about some of the other like characteristics of synthwave. I mean, because obviously reverb, you can load up anybody's yeah. synthwave and hear some <laughs> reverb, but and it's not the only music style that True. uses it that way. But uh, but yeah, talk to me about some yeah. of the other. other I mean, synthwave as a name for a genre is kind of like rock music, where it's yeah. like it it includes so many different things, and I so so it's hard to so the the music that I'm making, I really like this sort of dreamy atmospheric stuff. I, mm -hmm. think, I think what ties it all together is this sense of, it's often synth based for one, like you don't hear a lot of like acoustic drums or guitar or, or any acoustic instruments for that matter, it's mm -hmm. mostly synthesizer based. But it also stylistically kind of has some weird nostalgia itch that is scratched and yeah. it's hard to put your 
finger on what exactly is happening, but the but all of it has this thing where it's like you know, I think we're all being influenced by what we maybe remember from uh, you know living in the '80s, but also just music that we love that still persists from the '80s. Mm-hmm. But then it, but then some of it is like there's this other element to it that isn't exactly '80s, but it just taps into some nostalgia, and I I can't put my finger on what that is or how it does that, but. Yeah. Um, but that's what I like about this style is you just kind of feel this um, overwhelming sense of just, you know, remembering something that didn't really exist, but it, it's, <laughs> it's doing something in our brains that, that yeah. um, is getting to that. Mm-hmm. Questions out, out? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so I had a couple things. Uh, I actually had an email chain last January with Chuck. Yeah. Uh, he, he had really lovely things to say about you. Cool. He's uh, amazing. He was talking about the vision. He's uh, the game audio. designer for, for Chuck's yeah. Quest, Chuck yeah. Jacoby. Especially the HD. Remake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I actually had two things. I just learned today there was an arcade cabinet for Chuck's Quest that is in General Mills. Did you know that that existed? I did not. <laughs> I was really interested, and I want to know who was in charge of that. Yeah, I could uh, find out. I know who would ask. that Chuck said was he, the reason the HD remake exists is because he would use the models when he was designing stuff. Yeah. Is there anything like that that you took from the stuff like Chuck's Quest that you still have in your work? Yeah. Um... You mean that I have in the in the new stuff that I'm doing, or that yeah, the stuff, stuff kind of like follow you? <laughs> Honestly, not not really. I think what was cool about doing the HD remake is that I started with the original MIDI files from the original game because they were all MIDI. So I could go in and see, oh wow, <laughs> I had twelve tracks. What did I have in all these tracks? You know what is this track doing? And it was just it was it was really interesting for me to go through and pick apart what I had done. And there was some crazy stuff in there in, in the original. I mean, I, when like I said, when I did the remixes, I was it was reductive. I was just taking stuff away. Yeah. And a lot of it was like, why did I put this in in the beginning? You know, in the first place, um, I was so happy to be able to just have the time to remove that. But I, I, I mean. I, I know, like Chuck, Ch- so Ch- Chuck, Chuck and I were interns. We started our internships at the same time at Digital Cafe. And he, he's a great designer. He still works for a game design company. Um, so he's still, he's still in it. And he is, he's been amazing with ChexQuest because he just, as a hobby, he's like at home modeling phlemoids. <laughs> He's he's at home like trying to rebuild levels that we made just for fun. He 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 initially was doing it not to be released ever, and then, you know, people in the community started talking about, hey, maybe we should put this on Steam, and he was like, well, okay, I actually have like half of it, <laughs> <laughs> and then he got help, you know, and I don't know if you were involved in helping, but uh, he got help to you know actually build out the rest and take it to the finish line with support from General Mills. They stepped back in. They, they had been kind of like, you right. know, it was, it was on, a, on a shelf in their warehouse. And um, one of the, someone at General Mills discovered the community that's out there. And, and you know, they're tr- constantly trying to get people to talk about their products. And they're like, oh, people are ta- have been talking about our products <laughs> for like two decades here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or more. Uh, and we didn't even realize it. So... Uh, 
anyway, that's, that's great that you were part of that with Chuck. <laughs> More questions? Of course. Sure. So this one's more about synthwave. Um, I also really adore the sound of synthwave, um, but I'm not much of a technically proficient musician yet. So what are some of the easiest ways I can just get started and make stuff that sounds? Yeah, you know, it. What's what I did a little bit of is there are some there are some great tutorials on YouTube where people. It, if you uh, do, you have a um, a software that you're using to write music yet? Have you sure. picked yeah, one? I use Reaper. Okay, so you can go and, and you, maybe you've done this, but there's some good like Reaper tutorials where a synthwave artist will will break down one of their tracks, and that can be a great kind of kickstart for just seeing how people are setting up their you know their DAW to to create the music. I think, too, a really important thing is thinking about melody, because there, there's a lot of synthwave music that's a little bit formulaic uh, right now, and um, what, what I think makes great synthwave music is a great melody, and, and what, that's what makes any great music. And, and trying to figure out, like, in the music that you like, like, identify the melody, learn to play the melody, get those melody notes, like, under your fingers, to understand what makes it good, uh, and and like copy it, like take that, take a melody, flip it around, and make it into a song, and see what that sounds like. Yep, exactly. Okay, cool. That could be a great shortcut. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah, go ahead. Um, back to we were making the Chess Quest game. Were you mostly inbox or were you using upboard synthesizer here? And to this day, how do you balance in the box and out of the box? Yeah. At that time it was all in the box because it was all it was all using general MIDI and which is basically you get hundred and twenty eight sounds and they're it's built into the synthesizer on the sound card. And so we even though I, I initially started writing some of the music using a, I think a JV ten eighty or something like an outboard, but I realized, oh, I you know, this sounds too good. I need to I need to focus <laughs> on the sound card that sounds terrible to to realistically understand how it's gonna sound when, you know, a, a kid in Nebraska sticks it in their four eighty six computer and <laughs> double clicks on the EXE and, and and starts playing it. So that was all actually in the box. Um, all that all that writing was, and and that's still where I am. I've I've just slowly let go of my. I mean, I I ended up acquiring a whole bunch of outboard gear, and now I've been just like slowly divesting from it. I'm keeping my beloved JV1080 that I still have because <laughs> I just still love that. But now I use the Roland Cloud version of that more often than I plug into the outboard, and it's it's partially for convenience and partially because I feel like the plugins have gotten good enough now that. I mean, I'm sure some purists would disagree with me on this, but I, I really love the way the plugins are sounding. Mm -hmm. I yeah. do feel we could probably plug, that, plug in a few more minutes just on plugins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your DAW that you use? I use Logic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, you are a Mac guy. Yeah. I okay. mean, I, I have used... Pro Tools. I didn't mean to sound so shocked. I'm sorry. It's just you've been to Windows, Windows. Well, and that's what, in, for ChexQuest, that's what, that's what we sure. were using. But I think, yeah. I mean, I think that I've, I've been, like, I used Opcode Vision way, way back. I, I 
used Pro Tools for a long time, mm -hmm. and and now I've been using Logic for the last like five years. Yeah, I mean, there's so many good choices now, yeah, right? I, I mean, it's you like really you can't, can't go wrong. No. And, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Other questions? Anything? Well, we'll go out to some uh, checks quest. Do you have cool. anything else you want to say, Andy? No, thank you so much for listening. Uh, this is this is my first con. I know. So, so cheers yeah. for that. <laughs> First of many, I hope. Yeah, yeah. I, I will be the first of many. So awesome to be here. Appreciate you stopping by. So Andrew Bennon, look up his stuff on all the places. Seriously, you won't regret it. It's just been an absolute pleasure to get to know you musically you, and personally. Yeah, Thanks, Andrew. Likewise. Thank all you, right, Emily. Great. Cool. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Andrew Bennon and see a playlist. You can also support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Head to our YouTube channel to see video of our latest interviews. There's no video for, from this one, but we'll still get this up on YouTube. And uh, please do subscribe. That always gives us a, a, a huge help. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Hi. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.